It's Monday, August 7th. I'm Juanita Tolliver. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And this is What A Day, where we are sorry to report that the Zuck v. Musk cage match will be live streamed on X, the bird app we all formerly knew as Twitter. I hate every bit of this. I don't want it. I want to send it back. Can we return this before it even happens, please? Yeah. Whoever's controlling the simulation, I would like to do over. (laughs) Wake me up now. Wake me up now. Move me to another universe. Thank you. On today's show, at least 30 people were killed and 90 others injured after a train derailed in southern Pakistan. Plus, Simone Biles is back and crushing it, of course. She is next level, and I she love is. it for her at 4, 9, and 26 years old. I know. It's amazing. Period. But first, we are well into the Women's World Cup round of 16, and some of our faves are getting knocked out one after the other. My personal favorites and style icons, the Banyana Banyana of South Africa lost 2-0 to the Netherlands. Switzerland was eliminated by Spain with a 5-1 score, and Norway went down against Japan with a 3-1 score. But of course, the international headline and key takeaway of the weekend is that the United States women's national team was eliminated by Sweden in heartbreaking, dramatic fashion. I feel like Nailbiter doesn't even aptly describe Mm-mm. what went down, right, Josie? No, it was devastating and it was a really intense match. Right. And being glued to the screen yes. for that long yes. at that hour in the morning yes. was intense. Very intense. <laughs> So after showing up in their best form thus far in the tournament and holding Sweden to a nil-nil score, the match advanced to penalty kicks after two 15-minute periods of extra time. At this point, it's critical to note that the U.S. only allowed one shot on its goal the entire match, so defense was never a problem for this team. Then you have Sweden's goalie, who saved 11 shots throughout the course of the match. So intensity there, too. Yeah. The penalty kicks were going smoothly with the United States up 3-2 to two as Megan Rapinoe approached the ball for her kick. Then Rapinoe kicked the ball high over the bar, missing her penalty kick, which is atypical for the football star. Even she was in shock, smiling at the goal in complete disbelief at what just happened. And here's what she said after the match. Yeah, it's a tough one. And there's just some some dark, dark comedy in me missing <laughs> a penalty in my last game ever. So, hmm. Oh, soul crushing. So painful. Yeah. And she talks about dark comedy. I, I hope she's processing this okay, because that is really a sad way to go out. Yeah. It was really hard to watch. One of the best, if not the very best, soccer player of our generation. Yeah. Okay. So then what happened next? After Rapinos missed, Sophia Smith and Kelly O'Hara also missed their penalty kicks. And then the ultimate heartbreak happened. Get ready for this, y'all. Sweden took the next penalty kick. And while the U.S. goalie initially blocked it, the ball bounced over her head and barely crossed the white goal line before she could get to it. The referee even had to consult a video replay to confirm it. But in an instant, the U.S. women's national team's hopes were dashed and they were eliminated from the World Cup. It was the earliest tournament exit in the history of the team. And it hurts. Like, I feel for them. I feel for Megan and her missed penalty kick in her final game i feel for the goalie Alyssa, and everything she did to keep that ball out and it came down to literal millimeters in this loss it literally looked like a save i mean like she saved it yeah she just saved it yeah like a few millimeters in the goal so if you're watching we all thought everything was fine 
um, and that it was a save and we would keep going. And then just by, I mean, like you said, millimeters. Yeah, it's so sad. Like, I'd rather it have been a solid in, like, over yeah, her head. Yeah, totally, there was no totally. Chance because right. this just stings, doesn't right, it? Right, absolutely. So what happens next here? Like, what happens to the team? And also, what other matches will you be keeping an eye on now that we're out? Well, we should expect turnover and more retirements. For example, in a post-match interview, Julie Ertz announced her retirement, telling ESPN, quote, unfortunately, this is my last time in this crest. I know it's devastating, right? But I think we're going to see more of that in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. As for the rest of the tournament, Today, England and Nigeria face off at 3.30 a.m. Eastern, and Australia and Denmark will be playing at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, Colombia takes on Jamaica, and Morocco plays against France, so there are plenty of exciting matches to come. And y'all, listen listen closely. There is absolutely no shame in watching the replays. Please get some sleep, especially if you've been up most mornings thus far. Definitely. Log on and keep track of what's going on over there. Yes. We are switching gears to a very, very, very sad story out of Brooklyn. On July 29th, O'Shea Sibley, a 28-year-old gay man, was stabbed to death at a Brooklyn gas station. And yet another example of anti-gay violence. According to reports, O'Shea, who was a professional dancer, was listening to Beyonce and dancing and voguing with his friends when a group of males approached them, yelling homophobic slurs, insisting that the men stop dancing. And when O'Shea and his friends refused... One of the people who approached them pulled out a knife and stopped him. When I tell you I've been heartbroken over this for a week, yeah, O'Shea and his friends were just vibing. They were just yeah. existing. And they really were. that was a problem to these other individuals. And that, I think, strikes at the core of what is running rampant in our country, whether it's toxic masculinity, whether it's anti-LGBTQ like posture and ideology mm-hmm. and policy. Yeah. So it's coming from multiple levels here. Yeah, it's just like unfathomable, horrifying, devastating act of queer violence. And it has really, like you said, devastated so many of us since it happened over a week ago. And it's a reminder that for so many queer people, like no place really truly feels safe from persecution. Mm. This was in New York City. It's considered to be one of the most progressive cities in America. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene comes and says it's like a liberal hell. And even there, being queer and having the audacity to dance at the gas station can get someone killed. Yeah, and it makes me think of the mental and emotional trauma and anguish that LGBTQ people must be feeling, not just with this tragic loss and murder of O'Shea, but also anytime we see news reports of LGBTQ people who have gone missing or whose bodies are recovered and what that process feels like when you're just trying to live. Right. Before we get to the aftermath of the incident, can you tell us a little bit about O'Shea? Yeah. So lots of stories have been shared about him in the past few days, and it's clear that he was an incredibly Driven, talented, very loved person, right? So Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, he was a dancer. He grew up in Philadelphia and apparently was one of 11 kids, according to the New York Times. And his family didn't have a lot of extra money, but he got a full scholarship to the Philadelphia Dance School where he studied. And he really, really was driven to dance. Like this was his dream. This was his goal. For years, he'd been doing jobs on the side while continuing to practice and study and get gigs. And he'd moved to New York in 2020 with the intention of pursuing a real career as a dancer. And he was actually planning on auditioning for The Lion King on Broadway in the upcoming months. And so had really kind of dedicated his time and effort 
in preparing for that audition. When you mention it in that frame, it just highlights how much unrealized potential that is now gone from O'Shea's life, his family, like people who could have witnessed his talent, like all of us lose in this situation. Yeah. So tell us, what do we know so far about the person who stabbed him? Yeah, that's another really, really devastating part of this case to me because the person who stabbed him was a kid, a 17-year-old high school student. Wow. And because he's a minor, he's not being named but he has been arrested. He's being charged with murder and a hate crime, which is really all we know right now. So really all of this is just so tragic to me. The death of anyone is tragic, of course, but then to be killed for dancing and essentially for being gay and not presenting masculinity in the way that a random person approves of. Right. And it's really just tragic to me how little we do to prevent this. Like a man is dead. A child will probably spend their entire adult life in prison. And to me, all of this is really, really avoidable. Eric Adams said there would be justice for O'Shea, but I'll be honest, there will not be justice for O'Shea because it's impossible. At all. It's impossible. He's dead and he shouldn't be dead. Real justice is the freedom to dance in a parking lot and not be killed. The New York Times reported that one of the assailants allegedly said he was Muslim during the encounter. That's according to a gas station employee's recollection. While that has not been confirmed, I've already seen some like pretty Islamophobic tweets and stuff blaming this violence on the Muslim community. And, you know, as we know, like, the truth is that violence against queer people is not particular to any religion or group. Like you said, like, all you have to do is look around right now. Look at how anti-queer rhetoric and policy and politics is literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. An entire political party is vilifying queer people explicitly, right? They're outlawing them in Tennessee, basically. They're outlawing drag, regulating the way that people dress. They're banning the ability for kids to learn about queer communities. They're blaming basically all of America's problems on queer people at this point. And they've really leaned into this. They're ruining our children. They're harming our children. What about our children kind of narrative. They're making LGBTQ people the villains. And I just think it's worth noting, as you said, and as we've been talking about, like, it's just so particularly distressing to see that people like O'Shea are both forced to live in fear. Right. And are being villainized constantly, being told that they're the problem. They're the ones who should be feared. They're the danger. And this is just someone who's trying to have a good time with his friends. Like, he's trying to make it as a dancer. He's trying to follow his dreams. And because he was queer and had the audacity to not hide it, to dance at a gas station, to be himself, he's dead now. It's just devastating. And sadly, it's going to keep happening until Mm -hmm. we see some type of shift, not just in the rhetoric you described politically, but culturally, our Mm -hmm. norms and standards around these notions of toxic masculinity or lack of tolerance for people who live and look differently from us. Like, that's what this stems from. And a phrase that people threw around casually a couple years ago was like, can I live? Mm -hmm. But seriously, this is explicitly the question that we're seeing at this moment in this scenario from LGBTQ individuals who want to dance, who want to be them full selves, who want to just exist. Mm -hmm. Can they live? Mm -hmm. And that's a genuine question. Yeah, absolutely. That is the latest for now. We will be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. 
They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. Now let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. A Texas judge on Friday ruled to temporarily lift a ban on abortions for dangerous or complicated pregnancies. But then, just hours later, the Texas Attorney General's office filed an appeal with the state Supreme Court, and in doing so, effectively blocked the judge's temporary injunction. So... Basically, the ban on abortions for these pregnancies had been lifted, but it's back. The temporary injunction issued by State District Judge Jessica Mangrum had prohibited the ban from being enforced against physicians who provide emergency medical abortions, quote, in good faith judgment. The judge's decision comes after several women testified against the state's abortion ban last month and described the impact of being denied abortions amid pregnancy complications. For now, the appeal from the attorney general has put a hold on Judge Mangrum's ruling, and a decision is pending from the all-Republican state Supreme Court. In response to the state's appeal, a Center for Reproductive Rights attorney leading the case told NPR, quote, It's never been clearer that the term pro-life is a complete misnomer. What our plaintiffs went through was pure torture, and the state is hell-bent on making sure that kind of suffering continues. These are the people who swore that they supported abortions in dangerous cases, in cases where the life of the mother was at risk. They promised they didn't want women to die, and women are going to die here. These are lawmakers taking on the job of a doctor, telling a doctor that they can't use the judgment that they've spent years developing as a professional because of politics. And honestly, everybody who told advocates that 
we were exaggerating or being alarmist. Mm -hmm. No, no, because not only did they reject the reality of medicine, they reject the stories of the women and pregnant people who testified throughout this trial about the threats to their life, experiencing sepsis, experiencing trauma after right. being forced to carry an unviable pregnancy. Like, right. that's the part that shows who the true villain here is and the fact that they absolutely do not care about women and pregnant people. Right. And these are women who it's tragic for them to lose their child. Yeah. And now they're going to lose their child and their lives. Yeah. At least 30 people were killed and 90 others injured after a train derailed in southern Pakistan on Sunday. It happened when 10 cars on the Hazara Express train went off the tracks and some overturned, trapping passengers and leaving dozens dead or injured. Around 1,000 passengers were aboard. The train was reportedly running at a relatively slow speed of 28 miles per hour when the crash happened, and officials say it could have happened as a result of a mechanical failure or due to sabotage. An investigation is currently underway. Train accidents happen often on Pakistan's aging railways that lack funding and communications and signal systems on the railway tracks date way back to colonial times. Just two years ago, 65 people were killed in a train collision in the same province as Sunday's derailment. There have been several other transportation failures globally over the last few months. Another bus crashed in Morocco on Sunday where at least 24 people died when a minibus overturned at a curve while carrying passengers. The crash is one of the deadliest accidents in recent years in the country. That comes after a bus crash last August left 23 people dead when it overturned east of Casablanca. More than two dozen survivors and relatives of victims of the 2016 Pulse nightclub massacre filed complaints with the Orlando Police Department last month. They're seeking a criminal investigation into whether insufficient exits and unsafe structural upkeep of the building contributed to the deaths of 49 people that night. Questions about the building's design, its renovations, and code enforcements have come up over the years, and unsurprisingly, the club owner and city officials have maintained that it met all regulatory requirements. But the survivors pushing for this investigation say they have taken after the relatives of victims of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, who brought attention to many factors besides the shooter, including the delayed police response and sale of military-style assault rifles. The owner of the Pulse nightclub said that the building had six exits, but the New York Times reported that two of those exits led to a closed-off patio that had been added without a permit sometime after the opening, and two others were blocked off by an eight-foot fence. An officer had to punch a hole in that fence to rescue 20 people after the shooting. Many of the survivors and relatives emphasize that the point of their criminal complaints is not monetary, but to urge the city to closely examine what might have saved more lives that night. You know, I totally understand and feel for those families who are trying to do what they can to prevent this. It just is so nuts to me that all they can kind of do is push them to have more exits because really trying to address the problem, which is, by the way, assault rifles. A cough, cough. Right. Like, they can't do anything about that. It's impossible for them to make any dent on assault rifles. And so... They have to kind of go after making sure police have enough exits, which, sure, but that's not going to be the thing that fixes this. It seems so clear and so logical to us, at least. Uh, I just wish we could get some more Republicans on board because not happening in their minds. 
And finally, our girl Simone Biles is back and she is crushing it, y'all, just like we've been telling you. She soared to victory on Saturday night in the U.S. Classic after a two-year break since she withdrew from the Tokyo Olympics. She was in her element and it was clear to anyone watching. She'd only hopped back into serious training in April, making her all-around score of 59.1 the best of the night. And I need to note that second place was a full five points behind her. Unbelievable. This is down to a few decimal points. Yeah. Five whole points, y'all. Unbelievable. And so that makes it even more impressive. Yeah. That's higher than the score she received at the same meet back in 2018. The Classic is considered a kind of a warm-up competition, particularly with the U.S. Championships later this month and the World Championships in October. Of course, the media is anxious to know Biles' plans for the Olympics, but Simone has emphasized that she's focusing on the here and now. Bottom line, Biles is back. Just a few observations. One, she scored the highest vault score ever recorded in women's gymnastics with the Yurchenko double pike, and she stuck it. So step one. And two, shout out to her for telling the press to back up. Like, she's like, give me 50 feet. Relax. I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm in therapy. I'm focusing on me, and I'll keep y'all posted. Like, keep that energy, Simone. We love this for you. Totally. It's also worth noting that Simone Biles is 26 years old. Right. Which is (laughs) essentially 80 years old in gymnastics. Like... (laughs) She does call herself a granny, though. Like, I have her call herself a grandma. (laughs) And she is doing whole new vaults. And by the way, she hasn't competed in years. Like, yes. When I say, like, like, she's a superhuman athlete, Mm -hmm. like, she is the best athlete, I think, of our time. Yes. You know, she is the best athlete of our time, truly. I feel like anyone who loves her as much as us deserves, like, a bedazzled goat on a jacket. Simone, if you're listening, we can send you the addresses. Right. But that's what we need. Right. And, I just can't wait to see her at the U.S. Championships because we know for this competition, she didn't do full out like her difficulty level. She pulled back on some of her elements. And so I want I can't wait to see her full out doing her thing. We love you, Simone. Shout out to the GOAT. I agree with you 1000 percent, Josie. And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go, Los Angeles, cancel your Thursday night plans and thank us later. The Love It or Leave It Errors Tour is back at the Dynasty Typewriter this Thursday at 7.30. It's an incredible lineup with guests Ike Baron Holtz, Maria Bamford, Bridget Weingar, and Ian Harvey. Tell your hinge date you have to work late and head to crooked.com slash events to get your tickets now. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, tune into the Women's World Cup, and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading and not just how to block all Musk Zuck content oh like God. me, what a day is also a nightly newsletter. So check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Juanita Tolliver. And, and let's go, go Simone Biles. I love that Simone is winning in so many areas of her life right now. I know. Like thrive. Beautiful thrive. wedding. Beautiful life. <laughs> I love it. production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzy Quintanilla. 
Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. Our intern is Ryan Cochran, and our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference.